tired. So tired. Overtired. Hey, welcome to Overtired. We we we're short. We're short of men. We're short of woman this week. So it's me, Brett Terpstra, here with Jeff Severns Gunsel. Uh, hi. hi, 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 Jeff. We we are we are lacking Christina. She's she's going through uh, some transitions at work, and she needed a week uh, without overtired, I guess, I guess this show is just the, the one thing too much in her week. I will just say it, I'm new here, but Christina, I'll miss you today. We all will. It's just you and me left to fend for ourselves. It's like, uh, welcome to systematic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, I stopped, I stopped doing systematic. I put it on hiatus and then decided it was it was gone because it took so much effort to schedule guests, plan interview questions, uh, execute interview questions, I, edit. I want to ask you a question about Systematic. Yeah. Um, as, the, as the final guest on that podcast, <laughs> <laughs> why did you stop talking so much to developers? Um, my interests went elsewhere. Like, Say more. Uh, well, I mean, I love developers, and and I talk to a lot of of my favorite developers. Um, I really wanted Systematic to uh, reach a non tech audience. I didn't. It it was a tech show, but I wanted it to be about human interest, mm-hmm. and I wanted to talk more about mental health and queer issues and uh, just. Things that weren't necessarily developer centric. Mm-hmm. It was that was my vision for the show. But what was interesting is you you made a hard switch into those topics rather than, you know, entering them through uh, the you know broad and endless and diverse developer community. It seemed like you just wanted I, I, as a listener because we weren't we weren't friends yet. Um, as a listener, I was like, wow, he must've just really needed to get away from talking about being developer, a developer or talking to developers. See, I don't know at what point in the Pantheon you entered, but from the very beginning, Systematic had organic farmers and actors and, and a lot of non-developer people. Yeah. Well, let me look at my, um, updated overcast app. I'm going to actually <laughs> look back and tell you how <laughs> this is such a great app, by the way, I'm just going to say that. Um, but we'll continue, we'll keep talking. So I'm okay. So here's, cause he, here's why I ask is I, I came on, it must've been 2013 that I started listening to systematic, I think. Um, and for me, that was a renaissance period in how I used my computer. I was returning to ways in which I had loved to use my computer um, and making my computer more sort of central to my work and my life. And and a lot of that was, I, I hate the term, but a lot of that was about becoming sort of a power user, right? Um, I don't love the term, but I totally, I embrace it for the sake of its universality. <laughs> sure. It's easily and, understood. Yes. yes. And, and I think probably I was listening to, um, the accidental tech podcast, which was fairly young at the time, mostly because I'm just love listening to John Syracuse to talk about, um, 
the tech and talk about, you know, like the real, like sort of inner, um, computing business that he, he seems to understand and have a sort of history with a lived experience of love that stuff. And I listened to, um, Oh, Oh, Mac power users. I suppose that would have been it. And your name would just come up over and over. Like I wasn't listening to you first. I was listening to all these other power users. I think I was listening to Gruber's show or whatever. Um, and, and your name would come, who the hell is this Terpstra character? And so then I went to your podcast and what I loved about it was that not only did I learn about a million apps that would become total staples for me, Scrivener is a great example. Like you had such a great in-depth interview with the creator of Scrivener. And I was so kind of inspired just by the story of how it was created and by listening to the two of you talk. And what I most loved about listening to developers talk to each other was that like, so I'm a journalist and I mean, by training, I don't, not really a journalist anymore, but what I love about being a journalist is letting the language of an unfamiliar world wash over me and, and kind of pick up the seashells as the tide goes away. Right. And, and your podcast, when you were talking to developers was so great for that. And I was learning about these different kinds of people doing this work in a way that I could never have imagined. So I loved it. When you switched, I loved all the topics. I loved the people you were talking to. I enjoyed the conversations, but man, I missed you talking to developers. (laughs) So, so, okay. So the interview with Keith Blount uh, happened what year? This was 2013. The very next interview was with a playwright. Oh, no. I know you sprinkled it in, but like I felt like there's a period with Systematic where you just straight stopped talking to developers. And then that Merlin Mann character was next. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I heard th- of him. I never, it, it didn't happen. You're wrong. I'm wrong. It wasn't a switch. It wasn't that much of a switch. I feel like you went away and I, when you came back, it was much more focused on kind of, it was like a humanities podcast Well, in a good okay. way. That is, that is, that is, that is what I wanted to do with it. Yes. Yeah. 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 That somewhere that. in there, you did the John Roderick, uh, opus. Yeah. <laughs> that was fun. And that was, and I, what I loved about that is it, it was very similar to your, the way you talk to developers. You just, you were kind of breaking down a story into its, into its fundamental parts. And, and the person who lived that story was telling it, right? Like that's how the developer interviews felt to me. Cause they were always about like the lived experience of having created this great tool. <laughs> yeah. I'm not lamenting. I'm just, I was just curious. It's a question I've always had. Maybe some of the listeners have had that question too. <laughs> so I feel like this dovetails into mental health. Sure. Into our mental health corner. Like Everything let, dovetails. Let, letting go health. systematic was a mental health decision for me. So mm. um, how's your mental health, Jeff? Um, it is, it is very good. I'm, I, I, I think I said last week, there's a sort of a medication transition and like, it seems to be working for me. Um, and I feel very even and I feel very able to just kind of attack my work from day to day. Attack is too strong a word, but I, cause it actually is way too strong of a word because what's it's nice great. is, you know, sometimes like you have to just like really, really force yourself to do the work that's necessary. Right. Like, yeah, I have this I'm, thing I'm I need to do capable of it's, that. It's been too long. I'm I'm at or past the deadline. 
I got to grind and do this work, right? That wasn't how last week felt. Last week just felt like, yeah, here are these four things that are really important that I've really struggled to like really wrap my arms around for too long. And I'm just going to like take them one by one and, and go through them. And it was one of those weeks where that worked and it felt really, um, it felt great. And I also, I had this thought about mental health and, and, and how are you and that kind of stuff, right? Like uh, a friend of mine <clears throat> who I haven't heard from in a while reached out, said, how you doing? You know? And I, I answered in terms of kind of similar to what I just did. Like, you know, there's, uh, there was a sort of diagnosis confusion. I've, yeah. I've changed some medication. Oh, I've got a new <laughs> therapist, you know? And that friend's response was so beautiful because it wasn't direct, but what it, what it, made me feel so completely was that's not really the way to answer. How are you doing? Right? Like there, it, it's not a wrong way, right? Like it's a, it's a really important part about how I'm doing, right? It's like a critical, critical part about how I'm doing, but it's only in the terms of symptoms and, and not something more sort of core to who I am. And I haven't really, I'm, I'm trying to digest this. I got this response just yesterday and I'm like, man, yeah, I did respond only in terms of sort of systems and like very like human centered frameworks, right? Like this is a problem and this is how we'll fix it. And, and I'm not really sure I know how to answer yeah. the question from a different space. Yeah. I was going to say, like, I don't, I don't know what the alternative is either. I'm going to, I'm going to brush you off with a, Hey, I'm fine or I'm good. Or I'm going to list out symptoms i'm going to list out yeah. like the very the the details of why i am the way i am i don't know how else to answer that question but in a way what you just said is like there's two ways i can answer this i can lie to you to get this on, over with or i can give you a list of symptoms right yeah and like it feels like there's definitely something in there and i would imagine that for many people that's a probably the the pathway to answering that question is through religion or a form of spirituality. I'm not even sure that's true for me at this point, but I just like, I like the puzzle of being like, can I, what can I access and, and what can I sort of, I don't have to communicate. It doesn't have to be turned into words. Like that's probably why we don't have an answer is that the, like, how am I doing that can't be expressed? Can't be expressed. It's like something that's felt right. Yeah. I don't know if I'm getting way, way out there in woo woo land, but it was a thought I had. How, how is your mental health, Brett? Oh man. So I the I went from on the Vivants, I went from like uh a little bit overwhelmed by it, like teeth grindy, to mm. it once again basically doing nothing. Um Ugh. I am I am okay with that. It's better, it's better than truly nothing, and it's not triggering bipolar episodes and mm. For me, that is that's going to be the sweet spot. It might not be the most uh, focus uh, friendly place emotion or like mentally, but it is far more productive than like weeks without sleep and and depression. And if I can remove those from the equation and still have a, a little bit more focus than usual, that's yeah. that's that's gonna be i'm pretty sure after years of experimentation i'm pretty sure that's the best i can hope for you when did you first start taking 
medications related to mental health and, and not counting like drugs, right? But like stuff that's prescribed. <laughs> it, well, no, seriously, right? Because like that's an answer. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was, I self medicated for a long time with undiagnosed issues, but I started taking meds for bipolar when I was 22. Okay. I can't give you a year, but I can give you an age. So here's a question because for me, I didn't, I started taking, um, sertraline or Zoloft, um, right at the beginning of the pandemic. I mean, not because of the pandemic, but literally right at the beginning of the pandemic. And that was my first, that was the first time I had any kind of medication prescribed to me for my mental health. And, um, now that I've gone through kind of a transition recently, I have different medications and I have more. Yeah. And, and I am realizing that I am constantly conscious of the fact that I am, uh, running on medications and, and I know that that's, that's not a really like, it's not really a healthy way to think about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and I do recognize that like, there's a, if I totally took the opposite view, I would say I'm, I'm working because of medications and not, not like I'm running on them. Right. It's yeah. like, it's like, uh, you know, like diabetes, you're not pr- pr- producing enough of this. So you, you add a little bit of, you know, insulin, right? Like I know that that's kind of how to think about it, but I'm, I'm still in a phase where every time I pick up the pills to take them, I just feel a little bit like heavy. Cause I'm just like, Oh, I have to do this. Like if I don't do this act right now, it's very unpredictable what will happen just because they're not medications you can just stop. Right. It's not so much like my mental health, but like, and so I'm curious if you have had phases where you feel that way, where you just feel that, that much like you're kind of, you have these things running through you and they're, that's why they're part of the answer of how are you right. Or having done it for so long, is it more like you've taken a vitamin? (laughs) So I never had this stigma, uh, this like I'm with, if I'm on medication, I'm not really me. This idea that, um, that it's some, like it's a, that it's a a crutch we'll say. Um, Mm -hmm. I never had that stigma. In fact, I like of my own accord came to believe that, uh, I had to be on drugs and this was, like, you know, after years of heroin addiction and years of cocaine abuse and drinking and like, I didn't think I could function without something. So when I was first prescribed drugs that actually helped me without intoxicating me, like that just immediately felt right to me. Like I never had a period where like, I've had periods where I question, okay, is this actually doing its job anymore? Like, mm-hmm. I wondered what what would happen to me right now if I stopped taking this? Like, I've always had those questions. Yeah. But I've never had that, like, that feeling that I, I exist. I The current me only exists because of drugs. Like, I have always considered them just an enhancement, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I, I wonder why I'm, I'm not there as much as I would think well, I would. Because I don't... It sounds like you had a pre-existing stigma, like uh, some kind of resistance built up. Yeah, I think, but I had a stigma. I, I, I didn't, ha- here's the thing that's confusing about that to me is like the stigma, I don't believe the stigma was either 
I shouldn't take medications. And if I do, it's a weakness. And it certainly wasn't something I directed at other people. Like I've, I've, most people in my life are on some kind of medication and I've never thought, isn't that sad that you're powered by medicine, right? Like, or whatever, by medication. And, and yet for me, it clear, it's clear that there's some other definition of stigma that I'm operating under. Cause when you first started talking, I thought, well, it's really just about relationship with myself. Like I didn't do drugs for a long time. Um, I mean, I've never done hard drugs. Like I've, I've had a, some edibles only in the last year. Um, and until then I, no drugs. I'm just surrounded by people using hard drugs much of my life. Um, but just never did it for whatever weird reason. Well, I was not straight edge. Just be really clear. It wasn't like a ideological thing. It just didn't happen. And so it might in part be that I had internalized some sense of almost purity or something mm-hmm. that when I started taking medications, I was glad for it from day one, right? Like there was never a point where I'm like, oh, it's so sad that this is what it takes to make me feel good. I was all on board, but something about adding a medication, switching medications recently, I've just felt like I am Jeff who walks around with medication in him. And, and I, I, I want to note that cause I'd like to, I'd like to note when I don't feel that way anymore. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's gotta, I, I feel for you. That's, that's gotta be a bit of a weight to carry. Um, yeah. And I'm honest about it. Like I'm not, I tell people I'm on medication cause I just, I really believe in normalizing it. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, look at what I'm doing here too. Right. I, don't, I don't know who the hell's listening now or in the future. Right. Hi kids. But um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Uh, here's a transition though. Part of it is that in my house purse. Okay, wait. I want to tell you about <laughs> home security, and then we're oh, yeah, gonna, yeah. Go, we're gonna go, go, go. We're gonna dive into Jeff's house purse. <laughs> what do U.S. News, PC Magazine, and Popular Science have in common? They all rank Simply Safe Home Security as the best home security of 2021. In fact, U.S. News just named Simply Safe the best home security of 2022 as well. Simply Safe protects your whole home around the clock, every door, window, and room. It's backed by the best 24/7 professional monitoring in the business, ready to dispatch police, firefighters, or EMTs to your home. With a comprehensive set of sensors and cameras, including the all-new wireless outdoor security camera, you always know what's going on inside and outside your home. Simply Safe is less than a dollar a day, and you can set it up in around 30 minutes, and it's always simple to use. Simply Safe protects over a million homes in the United States alone, and yours should be one of them. There's never a long-term contract. You can even try it for 60 days risk-free to see if you like it, and if you don't, just send it back free of charge. You can customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash overtired. That's S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com. Go today and claim a free indoor security camera plus 20% off with interactive monitoring. Go to simplysafe.com slash overtired. I would just like to note that when people hear that read... I did that in one take, did not match up a single line. There were no oh, edits yeah, in there. That's true. That's true. I could, I could easily be lying. I could easily have thoroughly edited what people just heard. But vouch for me. I just did that basically perfectly. 
you could have, for example, as one of the hosts of this show did, described the benefits of Simply Safe through describing services they do not provide. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we, we'll call it aspirational descriptions. Yeah, man. Yeah. Consider yeah. it feature requests. Um, so anyway, Hasper's. okay. Yeah, let's. Jeff talked about in I, I believe it was your first episode on Overtired. You talked about this idea of a house purse, a a bag containing everything. Well, it's, okay. Let's. We got a lot of questions about it in Discord and on Twitter. Let's rewind. Tell us what the house purse is, and then we're going to dive into it because people had a lot of questions about what was in it, what the actual bag was, etc. I really appreciate people's interest. I'm actually trying to locate the bag now. There it is. Um, okay. House purse. First of all, why are we talking about a house purse? Why is there a guy in Minneapolis, Minnesota who has one and happens to also have uh, a podcast uh, accessibility to talk about it? The Husky 14-inch supply bag, which you can buy at Home Depot or other places, is my house purse. So if you want to kind of get it, we'll put a link in the show notes if you want to look at it. Basically, what you're talking about is like picture like a um, – not exactly a tote bag, kind of like a, how would you describe this thing? It's like, it's a bag that is, um, you could probably fit uh, two gallons of milk in. <laughs> and and it has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight pockets on the outside that you could fit in any one of those, you could fit a water bottle. It's like, it's almost like it's shaped for that. Right. Or a bottle of Pepto-Bismol in my case, which we'll get to. I had this problem where I was leaving shit all over the house. The book I was reading would be upstairs in the bedroom. The journal I had been writing in would be like kicked underneath the couch downstairs in my office. I'd have my meds. You never have a scissors pair of scissors. Right. We'll, That's we'll such a that. Minnesota, a scissors. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for correcting yourself like the rest yeah, of the country. No would. problem. No problem. But what do you so call was, what do you call two scissors though? Is that mm, a, is that a pair of mm, a pair of scissors? Uh, you call that a queen's riddle. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Continue. So I had this problem, which is like I'm leaving stuff all over. I never have what I want at my side, wherever I've settled in and the, where I've settled in would have been my bed, my couch, my office or the basement where the video games are. And, um, and so I thought, well, I had this Husky tool bag. I, I wasn't using it and I thought I'd try it out. Put, so let's just like put everything in, let's lay out what I think I need, find a place for it in the house purse. This is fascinating content. Um, and, uh, and, and test it out. And so I have now, I can proudly say that I'm three or four weeks into this current layout of my house purse. And I suppose the best way to give a tour of it is to tell you what's in it. Yes, let's do it. So we'll just take it external pockets first. Okay. Again, these are about the size of, so you can put a water bottle in them. Okay. Um, what we have is, I have my belt in one because... Not all my pants require me to wear a belt because one of my medications is causing me to gain weight. <laughs> so I don't ever have my belt when I need it because I wasn't wearing it previously. So that goes in one pocket. Okay. Next pocket. I'm just going through it here. We got, oh, every kind of pen and marker you would ever want. Even my um, my Apple Pencil for my 
shattered screened iPad. <laughs> How does um, that work? <laughs> it doesn't, it just works to make me sad. Yeah. Uh, so I got markers, pens, pencils, right? Can't, can't have enough of those. Then I got a water bottle. I got a USB speaker, roughly the size of a can of soda, uh, in there for if I want to listen to a podcast and I don't feel like, you know, figuring out how to make Siri understand me because apparently we don't speak the same language and apparently she has no knowledge of my preferences or habits after almost a decade of being together. It's your thick Minnesota accent throws her off. That, that might be it. Then we got a pocket that just has my wallet. I throw my watch in there when I'm tired of wearing it. It's got my headphones, my AirPods in it, right? And it's where my phone goes. Got another pot, pocket. We got some Kleenex, a tube of Kleenex. You like those tubes like you put in your uh, your uh, your soda carrier in your car. God, I feel like this is uh, – how many listeners are you going to lose because of the second episode dedicated to the house purse? Uh, <laughs> then – and this is important. This is very important. Then I got a roll of gaffer's tape. Yes. Okay? Not, not duct tape. Yes. Gaffer's tape, right? Absolutely. Okay, Brett, why is gaffer's tape great? You seem excited. It doesn't leave residue. It it mm. will affix to anything without being permanent. It's easier to cut. It's less messy. I, I just, I love gaffer's tape. It costs like three times as much. But I used to work in the theater department at the University of Minnesota, and I fell in love with gaffer's tape, and I, I love duct tape. It's great stuff. But if I want, if I want to be classy, I'm I'm using gaffer's tape. And you can go to gafferpower.com slash overtired for fifteen percent off your first <laughs> half inch black roll of gaffer's tape. Oh man, tape. I just or I got my first eight pack of half inch rolls for the first time in 2021. I had always only ordered. What so is it, you like are three a gaffer inch? tape person. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so you can understand why someone would want this on a thing they call their house purse. Yeah. Yeah, because you'd never know. And I got two kids, teenagers for God's sake. You know you need to tape those guys up sometimes. <laughs> so the other thing I use this for actually is I label like storage bins and stuff with gaffer tape and a paint marker. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Uh, okay, now we're into what my transition was, which is I've had to use one of the two large outside pockets for my meds because i had uh, i had I added one one thing of meds and so i've got this is where it looks a little bit like an old man's like this should be like basically hung on the back of my walker uh, it's got my prescription pills and then there's another one that's just dedicated to pepto-bismol because one of these medications gives me heartburn oh god so that's the outside, right? Like it's the kind of stuff that like you would have to get up off the couch and put your book down and have to go walk and find, or you'd have to ask one of your kids if they'd grab it for you and they'd huff and puff. And then you lost a little bit of your cachet for the next time you need something because they won't forget that they got you that Pepto-Bismol, right? Uh -huh. Inside, I got two books I'm reading. I got one main book I'm reading and then a book that's more of a kind of if I got 10 minutes to read, I pick it up and read it. I got a planner. I got a journal. I got, this is where I'm insane, but it's only there because I think it's funny. I have a flashlight, but I also have a UV flashlight. <laughs> we've had a bit of a, we've had a bit of a mouse problem. Uh, and the thing about UV flashlights, as the packaging told me, was that it's helpful for seeing body fluids. Uh -huh. And when you have boys, when you have boys, it's helpful to demonstrate just how much of the pee doesn't go into the toilet. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh, and we have a little bit of a mouse problem here. Now, they mostly don't get anywhere because of our cats. But 
I've used this to, d- to kind of discover where some of the mice might be. All right. Then I got a big old charging battery, a lot of different cables. I got a pair of scissors, as I, as I spoke of before. And finally, finally, and tell me you haven't been in a situation where you could not find your deodorant and you did not smell good. I have an extra. I have a miniature. It's like two inches by two inches stick of deodorant that I keep in the car because that's the place that I always yes. am oh, when, yeah. I, when I realize I forgot to put on deodorant. That's right. So I have a thing of deodorant in. That's the house purse, everybody. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I recognize already from the get, this is an eccentric thing that I have a house purse. But I will tell you, I never feel more eccentric and maybe a little bit embarrassed than when I go to bed with my house purse. Because it's kind of like I say goodbye to people, but I've got like my work bag and I go upstairs, set it down by the side of the bed, go to sleep. My laptop's in there too. That just seems efficient. I think it's brilliant. You know, my in-laws are in town, and I, I told them all about the house first. I showed them. They were very impressed. Very impressed by this idea. It is impressive. Thank you for detailing. I feel like I feel like that tour of its current contents gives people probably a better idea than any summary description could of what exactly this is and what purpose it serves. And I'll say that I've never said the inspiration. The inspiration is the mom purse of the 1980s. Sure. Those big ass purses that had everything you could ever imagine in them, no matter where you were. That's that's what I wanted, but I wanted it at home. Right. And with more pockets, so it didn't take you five minutes to find the crackers. Yeah, you can look down on this, you can see everything. Nothing closes up, nothing zips up. It's all visible. Yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, so I'm 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 uh I get I I had a 65-inch television. This Whoa, is, what's, that's I'm, a nice segue. Yeah, I, I, this isn't a segue. <laughs> like, we're talking about houses, and we're talking about we sure stuff are. we carry with us. Anyway, mm-hmm. I had a 65-inch TV, and it was too big for my artistic girlfriend. Um, she It would visually overwhelm her very easily. Got and, it. And we could watch, like, one show in the evening, and then she was like, I'm just going to disappear to my room, turn off the lights, and I'll be in the dark. I'll see you tomorrow. And yeah, yeah. Not ideal. So I had traded that in for like a 32-inch uh, TV that we mounted in our, our relatively small living room. Like 65 inches was too big for this room, but it was the kind of too big that me with my ADHD need for like excessive stimulation – I yeah. could I could get into she couldn't so we compromised we got a we got a reasonable size TV for the size of the room and I traded my 65 inch TV to my parents for their 55 inch TV um they they wanted wow. a they wanted a bigger TV I said I'm not going to use this I'll trade you so I've had this 55 inch TV sitting in my basement for maybe eight months now, I finally cleaned out enough space in my basement to set up the TV, uh, set up an area rug, and uh, I'm using a moon pod. I need a couch, but I'm building a little den where I can go to watch TV on a big screen when I don't, when I want to stay out of Elle's way. Building a den. Yes. And, and I just ordered a bunch of like, 
I want us. I'm okay. I need to get a love seat, but I want a side table with outlets and USB ports. And I need an ottoman so I have a place to like kick back and rest my feet. Mm-hmm. I need a sound system, but here's the catch is I need it to be a sound system that isn't so boomy that you can hear it upstairs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a thing. That's I a want thing. I want shit to sound good yeah. with, without bothering people on other floors of the house. Do you have exposed uh, floor uh-huh. as your ceiling? Yes. So yeah, it, well, it, no, is a, it is a good. basement, basement, classic basement. But that's good because you can you can stuff that, oh. which will which will buy you a little bit of extra volume. Uh, yeah. And you could, you know, you don't have to put a whole drywall thing on. You can you know, do whatever you want, but like, you don't want the fiberglass falling on you, but you stuff that nice and tight. Oh man, you'll be able to get a little more volume unless you've got a doorway that's like a major and, and, and clear feature of this basement, a doorway to the upstairs. You got there, like some wind, wind in stairs. What's your situation? Uh, the stairs come down. You turn left, it's all open, there's no walls, uh, you walk one, the equivalent of one room over and you're in my den. There's no wall, there's no door between me and the stairs. And what's right above you? Uh, let me see, the, the living room. Okay, yeah, that might be a tough one, might be a, not a good use of money. Yeah, but it might make a difference. I'm telling you, it made a crazy distant difference when we refinished our basement. I was amazed. I like. I have considered building like. So, if I ran the cables out to where I sit, if this room is only ever intended for one person, the speakers don't have to fill the whole room. The speakers could be directed to the one place I will ever sit in this room. And I could build a little surround sound system around this like four foot square space. Mm-hmm. And then the volume could be low, but I could still get surround with like bass and everything. I got to ask you a cultural question. <laughs> okay. Why are you calling this a den? Because man cave really bugs me. Oh no, I'm uh, that's great. The, yeah. Kill the man cave forever. Um, but still you went to den. What is a den in your life? Did your was there a den in your house growing up? I've never had a den. This is just what I assumed a den was. For me, dens are where your stepdads go to be away from everybody. Right, which is this is a place I go to. Be but away I guess from yeah, and I guess it's got a t- I always my for me in my in my life it was always like uh, you know there was a desk in there it was like a second office basically maybe there was like a reading chair. Yeah. All right. All right. What you've got here is an entertainment room. Yes, I'm fine with I'm fine with that, but it is a secondary. It is an auxiliary, auxiliary entertainment room. It is the second entertainment room. Do you intend to have a um, bulletin board made of wine corks? I do not. Okay, so it's not a game room. No, and that's like <laughs> there's there are no arcade machines. There's no dartboard. There's no bulletin board. There are no other men. No other men, and no one else will ever be invited into this room. It is split. There is a table with a yarn winder and a sewing machine 
mm, that are that's not awesome. They are not part of my entertainment room, but I did think the room to make the best use of the space should be split with Elle's craft needs. Yeah. yeah. So well, the, I doubt that, those that I, dials down the like uh, the what people call a man cave. It dials that down quite. <laughs> it good, really does. Nice. It really does. Nice. It really it really removes the the gender specific uh, uh, stereotypes from the room. I uh, I will. It'll probably never serve both purposes at the same time. Um, <laughs> although her her yarn winder, I got it for her for like I think Christmas or a birthday one year, and it is it's it's hand cranked, but it's ten times faster than winding yarn into, that sounds really into cool. balls on your own. Yeah, it's really yeah. cool. It's almost silent. I actually enjoy watching it work. It's very soothing. I'm sure. Um. Anyway. Yeah. Now I'm thinking what you got is kind of a craft room entertainment center. Yeah. You don't. Yeah. It's okay. a craft entertainment center. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, if you're looking for uh, advice on speakers, there are plenty of men online who are happy to <laughs> tell you both what you might do and what you're an idiot for thinking you will do. Friend of the show, Victor Agreda Jr. recommended Samsung Bluetooth speakers so I didn't have to run wires everywhere. Uh, that sounded good to me, but I didn't yeah. ask him for a specific link. He just, in general, said Samsung Bluetooth speakers. My cat is pawing at me right now, and I don't know what he wants. Um, I had breakfast with my Why folks. You bring this, him on. I had breakfast with my folks this morning. We did not talk at all about evolution which meant that the the breakfast lasted a full hour um <laughs> but the topic of cats came up and then the topic of robotic vacuums and obviously have you you know shark cat yeah i assume next it's animals on top of robotic yeah uh, so what i uh, want to know is what's after that <laughs> after that was taxes <laughs> Um, but I had the pleasure of showing my mom Shark Cat for the very first time. And Excellent. It, it wasn't it wasn't entertaining for me. I'd already had my run with Shark Cat, but it was delightful to see the look on her face when she realized that Shark Cat was a thing. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's nice when you can not only manage to avoid the topics that tear you apart, but maybe even bring a little joy. I actually have uh, on our topic list, a guy named Polygia, and I'm not sure we've ever talked about, I think I mentioned Polygia before, hmm. but he's a YouTube creator that he does. Uh, he, his name is Paul and, and Polygia is a play on apologist, apologistics, apology, apology, apologies. No. Um, I knew that in one take. <laughs> Why can't I think of the word? Apolo it's apologia. Like the no, idea it's apologetics. Yes, thank you. Apologetics. Yeah. Um, and he basically his tagline is a former Christian takes a look at the the claims of Christians. And he does it very methodically and calmly, and most of the time not even snarky. Just mm -hmm. takes a very, a very thorough look at here's what's, you know, historically accurate. Here is what uh, scholars, both secular and Christian, 
say about this topic. And, and here is my synopsis. And okay. he did a series of responses to a video series on uh, disproving evolution. And he did responses to it. And it is, I have written this four page email to my father. Uh, mm. after, after the last blow up, after he told me that there was no evidence for evolution. Um, and I like, I'm, I had a meltdown just cause that blew my mind. Um, I included P Polygia's videos, uh, this four part series in that email because, because of its lack of snarkiness, like you can find plenty of people out there that will contend with creationist views on evolution and and shoot them down but they will yeah. do it meanly and they will do it snarkily and i wanted someone who could calmly present here's what you're saying here's why evidence shows you to be wrong and yeah. apologia is he's the guy he's the guy yeah. for this and and I became a Patreon supporter after I realized that this was how I wanted to communicate with my father. To be fair, I've not sent the email and I've not broken the seal of like, we disagree to disagree. Because if I'm going to send this email, I have to admit that my goal is to make my father a Christian who believes in evolution. Mm, like yeah. I have, I have to admit that there are some, there are some models for that out there. <laughs> there really are. There, there are. I'm not la sorry. That laughter is not laughing at him or your situation. Well, I just, I was his, thinking his, like, man, his arguments come from ignorance and he's making arguments that haven't changed in a hundred years. And the science of evolution has, would you say that the argument has not evolved? <laughs> I would say absolutely. The argument has failed to evolve. Um, and, and I want my dad, my, I consider my dad a very intelligent person and I want him to at least understand what he's arguing against because his current arguments come straight from ignorance, like a complete yeah. lack of understanding of what evolution actually is. And it, it it's infuriating and Polygia does such a good job of explaining it. Plus, man, I I can binge Polygia videos for hours. Uh, <laughs> it, like, my parents, like, completely on the side. Like, just his... And he does debates now. Like, he's gotten to be a big enough name that some of the big Christian YouTubers will bring him on and have live debates. And, and it's... He's so respectful and thorough it's hard not to like the guy he's just great that's cool it's nice that someone like that exists yeah it really is <laughs> plus he's well so, he's so good at proving he's right about things it's very satisfact satis you just satisfying to watch i him. like that you i like that you added that in it's sort of like how uh those discussions with parents can go you kind of get to a stopping point and you're like plus god damn it i'm right right yeah <laughs> Yeah, because you don't have you don't have the benefit in the moment of having all the research laid out. Right, right. To like right, really right. drive home your point and they get a chance to respond, which is 
with YouTube video, my favorite YouTube videos are always reaction videos. Um, They're great. And I, great. And I, I don't believe half of them and I love them just the same. I have no problem with reactions to reactions and these videos that go back and forth between creators. And like, I kind of enjoy seeing people's responses to responses to responses. And right, the, right, it's, a, right, right. it's a conversation and I'm here for it. I love it. Totally. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Your topic, pick a topic. Okay. I feel like I should pick one. Oh, topic. wait, let me do, let me do one more sponsor read. Oh yeah. And then, do it, do it, do and it. then it's free reign, whatever you want to do. <laughs> okay. Hey there. Who doesn't want to live well to be perfectly at ease in comfort and style? Hunter Douglas can help you do just that with their innovative window shade designs, gorgeous fabrics, and control systems so advanced they can be scheduled to automatically adjust to their optimal position throughout the day. Perhaps it's the way the shades diffuse harsh sunlight to cast a beautiful glow across the room, or being able to enjoy the view outside the window while protecting your privacy inside. Maybe it's the superior insulation that shades provide, keeping you warmer in winter, cooler in summer, and lowering utility bills. Or is it simply that Goldilocks moment when you walk into a room and everything about it just looks and feels right? When you tap into Hunter Douglas's PowerView technology, your shades can be set to automatically reposition for the perfect balance of light, privacy, and insulation morning, noon, and night. So, live beautifully with Hunter Douglas, enjoying greater convenience, enhanced style, and increased comfort in your home throughout the day. Visit HunterDouglas.com slash Overtired today for your free Style Get Smarter design guide with fresh takes, creative ideas, and smart solutions for dressing your windows. That's HunterDouglas.com slash Overtired for your free design guide. Check it out. All right. One take, Johnny. Man, I'm killing it today. <laughs> One of my favorite albums is this album uh, with the band Tortoise and and the singer uh, Will Oldham or Bonnie Prince Billy. And Oh, wait, 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 wait. This is yeah. news to me. I love Bonnie Prince Billy, but I've never oh, you heard do? of oh Tortoise. I'm a, I'm a huge, he, huge, huge I'm, I'm a huge fan, but I've never heard of Tortoise. Okay, so Tortoise is a Chicago band, instrumental. Um, first album came out in the, like, I think it was eh, early 90s, maybe mid, probably mid 90s. And it was like, I don't know if you were more like into hardcore and serious punk rock in those days, I think. Yeah. But for me, they were they were the beginning of the emergence of a kind of more humanistic, mathy indie rock <laughs> so it wasn't just like hard edges mathy which i like just fine it was just it could be pretty and and there was no singer so it meant you didn't have to deal with emo lyrics anyway they they were a fascinatingly interesting band uh, a couple bass players it was a very bass heavy sound for the first couple of albums they added vibraphone uh then it was some synthesizers anyway they make beautiful music and 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 interesting and innovative music as an instrumental group and at one point they um joined up with will oldham or bonnie billy and and made a cover album that i'm pretty sure is not streaming on all the surf services but it has a cover of 
uh, Daniel by um, is that Elton John? Daniel? I don't know. Uh, Thunder Road by Bruce Springsteen. Yes. Um, I think they do a Misfit song. And there are like five or six songs, but the cover of Thunder Road is one of the most exhilarating examples of a reinterpretation of a song while still being true to its spirit that I have ever heard. And and the one take Johnny part of this is that a, a friend of mine was in the studio when Will Oldham was doing his vocal tracks and I was blown away to learn that a bunch of his tracks on that album are just one take. And, and that generally that's kind of how he rolls. And I find that really wonderful um, and sort of mesmerizing. It makes his albums a little more mesmerizing to me because he has just such beautiful phrasing and he can be really raw and rough in his beauty um, but to, to realize that that's not contrived in the way that it maybe would have been if he had kind of decided on that raw and rough. Right. Yeah. So anyway, if anybody doesn't listen to Will Oldham out there, um, look for him as Will Oldham. He made records as palace as palace brothers, but most of his work and the work that I highly recommend is as Bonnie Prince Billy. Hey. And it's, it's hit or miss. Like he puts a lot of music out when he hits, it's just wonderful. It's amazing. So I gotta gotta throw this out there. We talked last week about my musical tastes and how they, and I called it darkness, um, how I lean towards darkness. And uh, Christina didn't love that. And I actually edited, (laughs) edited out the part where I said, Taylor Swift was like, she had rich girl problems. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that wasn't that wasn't what I was trying to say. What I realized this week in in like really considering that was I need neurodiversity. Mm. I need my artists to to suffer from depression or ADHD or bipolar. I need or or autism. I I need them to come from a place that is not normal. Uh, normal music bores me, uh, or mm. even or even makes me feel bad. But something like Bonnie Prince Billy, where he is absolutely clearly coming from a place of depression and possibly bipolar, like I don't need to diagnose him. I just I can feel it in his lyrics and in his songs. Um, like I discovered him because of Johnny Cash's cover of "I See a Oh Darkness. I See a Darkness Yeah it was just insane Like Cash's cover was insanely good and then Bonnie Prince Billy's original was insanely good and then Bonnie Prince Billy remade the song with a happy beat You ever hear that Oh one? yeah Oh, oh yeah. my God, yeah. it's so, well, so good. One of the things he does that's wonderful as a fan is he reinterprets his own music pretty frequently. Yeah. And to have made I See a Darkness, which is a beautiful song about what he is you know, calling darkness, right? Um, to have redefined that and made it a sort of joyful song is like the most beautiful thing. And it's just as true of a song, right? Like that's what... I find really beautiful about that. It is is absolutely a bipolar song. 
Mm, like, yeah. and, and I don't mean you have to be diagnosed by no, no, to I get it, it. I get it. But it 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 taps into both this manic feeling of euphoria and the depressive state of hopelessness, and both yeah. of those exist in this song. It is, yeah. There's a great. I'm going to pull up the lyrics because there's a, just a great line that you're making me think of. Um, and I think I know it well enough, but I don't want to get it wrong because it's not my lyrics. <laughs> I'm going to give you a sec because there are so many lines in that song that just give me like shivers, tingles. I'm going to read it because this is a beautiful song. So he starts with this, the song starts with, well, you're my friend. Mm-hmm. And can you see many times we've been out drinking many times we've shared our thoughts, but did you ever notice the kind of thoughts I got? So, well, you know, I have a love, a love for everyone I know. And you know I have the drive to live. I won't let go. But you can see its opposition comes rising up sometimes. That its dreadful imposition comes comes blacking blacking in my mind. And that I see a darkness. And and it's just like, and I love this line. Well, I hope the Sunday, buddy, we have peace in our lives, together or apart, alone or with our wives. And we can stop our whoring and pull the smiles inside and and light it up up forever forever and never go to sleep. My best unbeaten brother, this This isn't all all I I see. Oh my God. I also love that song. Just beautiful stuff. You know, there's a funny story, by the way, the lyrics to this credit it to Johnny cash online. Um, (laughs) There's a funny story about that where, as I recall, Will Oldham got the call saying, Hey, you know, Johnny cash wants to record this song. You know, we'd love to have you do something on the song. Do you play piano? And he didn't play piano, but he said, yes. Because he felt like that was maybe going to be the only way he could participate, and he wanted well, to make sure he, he did could backup participate. vocals too. He did, yeah. That's what's it's beautiful. That's what's amazing about American songs by Johnny Cash is how many of the original artists did backup vocals on their own songs. Yeah, that was an incredible run of albums, really, truly. Uh, okay, so I have a good transition from this. Actually, I'm I'm only going to pick my um, pop culture uh, topic because I feel like one. I, I should represent pop culture without Christina here. Um, and two, my other two topics I think will be fun with all three of us. Yeah. Um, so I just want to, <laughs> I just want to point to the loss of Taylor Hawkins, the drummer of the Foo Fighters who was found dead in his hotel room, uh, last night, but I know this doesn't come out for a bit. Um, and, uh, for people who aren't familiar with Taylor Hawkins, uh, or the Foo Fighters, I'm sure you're familiar with the Foo Fighters. You know, he's he's a drummer who joined that band, I think, almost 20, 25 years ago, um, at a time when it wasn't really clear that Dave Grohl, the drummer of Nirvana, the song, main songwriter and singer in the Foo Fighters, there wasn't, <laughs> I think that the previous drummer was having a little bit of a hard time making Dave Grohl happy, because it's probably kind of hard to make Dave Grohl happy, because he has such a specific, narrow way of playing, and he played drums on his early albums. Uh, yeah. And so when it came time for a different drummer to record, it was just a big mess, and the guy got let go, but... In that period of time, Taylor Hawkins, who had been playing for Alanis Morissette, uh, was someone who Dave Grohl had met. They they had really hit it off, and uh, and Dave Grohl just decided, I'm going to try to get this guy in the band. And he invited him into the band, and it's been, I think, like 25 years. There is um, These two are like separated at birth type uh, relationship. I am not a huge Foo Fighters fan. I absolutely love the first album. I love the album... The color and the shape, I think it's called, is the blue cover with spheres on it. Um, 
I don't much like anything else. Uh, it's it's a little too um, poppy for me, like kind of just in a way that doesn't I don't respond to. Yeah. Um, but I really, really respect that band as an institution. I really love the way Dave Grohl has just made a career of kind of like honoring his roots and the people that inspire him. Um, and I want to note the loss of Taylor Hawkins for a couple of reasons. One is that he almost died once before of a heroin overdose and was in a coma. And Dave Grohl wrote, I think, not just a song, but most of an album about him and about waiting at his hospital bed for him to hopefully live. Um, and so you already have this, this kind of story of this friendship and this near loss and, and how, how painful that was for the one who wasn't in a coma. Um, and if you are in any way a Foo Fighters fan or even just kind of like a passive fan like I am, there are just like endless YouTube videos of these two doing interviews together. It seems like Dave Grohl never appears without Taylor Hawkins at his side. And and they are always joking with each other and very light with each other. They're always together, like always. All these situations where if it were any other celebrity similar to Dave Grohl, you'd just be looking at Dave Grohl. But he, if he's on 60 Minutes, Taylor Hawkins is next to him. He's got a band of like six people. But Taylor Hawkins is always the one that's next to him. And you got the sense that he kept him close, especially after that overdose. Yeah. Um and so the fact that he's found dead in a hotel room is just like, it's devastating. And for me, I've, I really, it really showed me that I was more of a fan of their friendship than I was of the music. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. and I think that's kind of interesting. And then it made me realize also that like in a similar way, I, I was more of a fan of their very earnest nods towards pop music history than I was of their own brand of earnest pop music. And, and I, I, I liked and kind of smiled realizing what an interesting little flip that is, um, because I'm really not attracted to the music much at all. Uh, so anyway, rest in peace, Taylor Hawkins. He had a wife and children and, and, um, Dave Grohl is just someone that like, if you're our age, you, you've grown up with him, right? Like, so I can, I can, you know, allow, it's easy for me to allow myself to feel, uh, uh some grief on his behalf. So yeah, I, that's it. The, the Foo Fighters do nothing for me as a band, but I have a great admiration for Dave Grohl. I will admit that I am not aware of Taylor Hawkins, and I've never noticed Taylor Hawkins. And now I'm going to have to go back and and see interviews and see this dynamic you're talking about. I put a link in the show notes of an interview yeah. with the two of them. I will say that he is not the kind of person that I would naturally be drawn towards. Like he is. What's funny about him and Dave Grohl, he's like Dave Grohl's little brother um, who didn't have quite the same like awesome kind of cultural experience, right? And he – I mean he's a dude that like most of the time you can see him like shirtless with like swim trunks and flip-flops. Like he's a total like Southern California beach dude in every way and he embraces it, right? And so – and and he doesn't seem – he didn't seem like, you know, very intellectual. Like, you know, he was very dedicated – to a very narrow band of sort of pop music. He, he, he loved that the Britney Spears quote, which I think 
maybe is brought up in the interview I linked to. There was a point where Britney Spears said something like, um, writing, <laughs> writing a Radiohead album isn't hard. Writing a song that everybody loves, that's hard. <laughs> and, and, and Taylor and Taylor Hawkins regards that quote as like, that's exactly right, man. You know, <laughs> I, I really, I do love that. That is, it's a, it is a great quote. Anyway, like he, it's such a weird, I, I guess I'm just realizing that's another level of why do I, why was I drawn towards this guy and this friendship? Because he's also somewhere I'm like, man, no thanks. Like I don't need sure. to hang out with this guy, yeah. but rest in peace. It's really sad. And it's sad how much of that, um, era of our sort of, shared music culture has been uh you know sort of the threads have been undone by by you know drug overdose and suicides yeah so, so i see uh, you mark lanigan mark lanigan rest in peace anyway in our pre-show we thought this might be a short episode without <laughs> christina we're we're at an hour right now and you said you had a hard out do you do you have time for a quick graptitude or are we saying I want to do a quick, I want to do a quick graptitude because I, I just love this. I love going out on this note. <clears throat> All right. For those who missed last week, graptitude with a hard G is our chance to highlight developers and usually indie apps that we find especially amazing this week. So Jeff, what is your graptitude list for this week? <laughs> so it's it's one developer and um her name is Molly White. Um I saw her or I found her because of a link on Hacker News this last week, which is I don't know what I'd do without Hacker News. It's such a wonderful <laughs> curated list of stuff every day. Um she had actually created a really great sort of conversation in a web page where she put the text of a New York Times article that was basically, in her words, a sort of thinly veiled advertisement for certain, certain cryptocurrency companies. And she made it so that um, people who, who know that field well could comment on it and annotate it. And it ends up just being this like intensely, heavily annotated um, version of this New York Times article by I think around like 12 different people. Anyway, I'll put a link to that, but that's not why I'm, I'm bringing her up. Um, have you heard the term web three? Yes. Okay. So I don't know how, but I had not in, in no way other than derisively, but yes. Yes. So this, I heard it this week because my son and his friend were playing a game. It's one of my favorites, which is let's try to come up with a domain that isn't purchased. Right. Like, and, and one domain they came up with, uh, was just like a landing page for like web three. And they're like, what is that? And I was like, you know, honestly, I don't actually know, but it sounds like totally made up bullshit. Uh, and of course web three is, is, I mean, would you say it this way is what envelops things like cryptocurrency and NFTs and all of has, that stuff? Is that, that is fair? Ac- that is absolutely what it has come to mean. Yes. Yes. What it has come to mean. So what Molly White did um, that I really enjoyed was created a website that is called uh, Web3 is going great. And... <laughs> And she built it using a tool she had created um, that was like a static timeline generator. And I'll put a link to that as well. And it's it's so good because it's like it's like an editorial in its own right, but it's a web page that's I love the design. 
and it uses her static timeline to basically place articles that sort of, uh, you know, take pot shots at this whole idea of web three and, and essentially show it to be sort of the incredible, like swamp of scams that it is. And I thought it was just an amazing way to editorialize on something without actually writing anything. And I loved that she used what I think is a pretty cool tool that she built herself. Um, similarly, she wrote a Twitter bot that actually goes after all of the Twitter bots that go after people who are tweeting about having problems with their crypto wallet and things like mm -hmm. that. And so anyway, like her, her work is just super interesting. Um, I'll put a link to her main site and some of these tools. Just like I, what I love about Hacker News is more often than not, the thing that's posted ends up being a gateway for me into someone's kind of entire ecosystem. And she was is one of those people where you go to her website and you're like, wow, you are doing so much. And it all creates this little world of analysis and it's really inspiring. So Molly White. She is a... I'm, I'm checking her homepage. She is a longtime editor of English Wikipedia under the username Guerrilla Warfare. Um, <laughs> former member of the Arbitration Committee, cares deeply about providing free and open access to high quality information. Seems like a seems like a a, a good egg. Oh man! And there's an awesome. Uh, you can on her website she has a page she created that sort of just tracks her changes and edits in Wikipedia, and that itself is a great. So you could really spend a lot of time with Molly White and her work. Nice. All right. Um, if, if if you have a moment, I'll, I'll I'll say my my pick for this week is Mailmate. Yeah. Which is okay. There are so many email clients email clients available for macOS. Like you can find. They're all the same to me. I'll I'll be honest. They all they look pretty and they do the exact same thing, but Mailmate gets into tagging and nested conditions and smart mailboxes and all kinds of things that these other fancy pretty email clients can't touch. And if you're looking for actual power and actual control over your email, Mailmate. Mailmate's where it's at. I'm not going to go into details. Oh, can I say a detail? It would be a long show, but go ahead. Yeah. I mean, what I love about MailMate is that, I mean, it's it's one of those tools that's when you first look at it and realize just how sort of customizable and extendable it is, it can be overwhelming. It does aesthetically look like the tool of someone who knows more about um, programming than I do. And yet when I first went into it and I recently started using it again. It also is one of those things where it's like, I just remember the first time I clicked on the name of somebody. Um, and all of a sudden I just double clicked on their name for some reason, not for what came. And all of a sudden I was just looking at all the emails from them. If I clicked on the subject, I was looking at just the emails with that subject line. Um, and and I find that it has all of these little navigation tricks that just reveal themselves to you, well, almost the way a, a video game teaches you how to use it, right? Right. Yeah, they're totally intuitive. Like, yes, you click something, and what you think should happen just happens. It's very Mac-like. For sure. I mean, especially, I, I often use that example, just like I clicked their name, and I was looking at everything from them. And their their search is just really nice and and fluid, and man, it's an awesome way to use yeah. to do email yeah 
and and it's it's free to try and you can I pay a monthly subscription which is totally optional because you can just buy it outright and and you <laughs> and you own it but if you are a supporter of what they're doing you can choose to pay a subscription fee for it I chose to pay a subscription fee for it because I am that invested in and MailMate as a, an email application. I love it. Can we name names here? I'm not sure who the developer is. Uh, Freeron. I don't know his actual name. The The developer goes by Freeron. Oh, yeah. Yeah. F-R-E-R-O-N. But I actually do not know the developer's real name. I just always wondered, is this like a one-person shop or what? I believe it is. I believe it is yeah. one person. Awesome. But, but I can't awesome. prove that. I can't prove it. You know about one person shops. I do. <laughs> I'm very, cool. very familiar with the concept. Thanks for uh thanks for showing up and and helping me fill in for Christina's absence this week. My pleasure. I look forward to joining you both next week. I've already got some topics. Hey Jeff. Hmm. Get some sleep. You get some sleep. You know what? You get some sleep. The system is going down now.